Chapter 34 A Plague of Green and Living Things The forest opened out into moorland, and they followed a green road that wound its way through heather, punctuated by rocks. Leah's mare tossed her head, impatient to gallop. May I let her run? Poilon nodded. There isn't much cover here. We need to move quickly. Leah leant forward, and the black mare took flight, her unshod hooves drumming on the grassy path, with the big bay stallion following at a dignified gallop. Fuelon looked magnificent on a horse, she thought, like a mythological demon. Fuelon caught up with her, and they reined the horses into a trot and rode abreast. The mare felt pliable and elastic beneath her. You ride like a she, Fuelon said. Thank you. Both Leah and Ronan had taught themselves to ride the feral piebald cobs that used to roam the fields on the outskirts of Tala, and it was one of the few things that she did better than her brother. His pony was a diminishing blur of white on the road in front of them, under no instruction from his rider. Is he always this much out of control? Yes, said Foylon, but they are going in the right direction. Will you bring him back to the human world with you? That is what I came here to do, but now I'm not so sure. He seems different here. At home, Ronan lived in a state of constant anxiety. He managed it through rigorous strategic planning, an utterly predictable schedule, and a plethora of comforting props. He was famous and successful, but not, she thought, particularly happy. And now, here he was, careering down the road on an uncontrollable pony, with no notion of where he was going to spend the night. At home, any aspect of this would have been unthinkable. Leah found it difficult to formulate her thoughts. She indicated the pony, which appeared to have stopped for a drink. Ronan was standing beside the stream, wringing out his garment. This would never happen in our world, she said. I know, said Foylon quietly. In his own world, he managed his anxiety by controlling his environment, but the anxiety was where his creativity came from too. The she do not desire to make things, and that is imbued in Ildahuk. The longer that he stays here, the more his creativity will fade. He looked perplexed. I do not know if this is good or bad. They stopped for the night on a hill overlooking the bay. Foylon rubbed down the horses and tethered them, but Hobie seemed disinclined to have his head tied. Spanselham, Leah suggested, remembering the piebald cobs of Tala. She took one of the ropes that Hobie had broken and tied one of his front legs loosely to the back leg on the same side. He could walk, but he wouldn't wander far. Hobie gave her a look that promised revenge. Foylon went foraging, and came back with shellfish and tubers, which they roasted over a small fire. Couldn't do this at home, Leah said, sucking a clam from its shell. There might be places where you could still safely forage, but none that she knew of. How do you mean? asked Ronan, and she realised that he did not know about rainfall, or the moon plague, or the food shortages 
or basically how little there was left for him to go back to should he choose to return. She told him all of this as succinctly as she could. The plague of green and living things, Poilon said. Our poets have foretold it for centuries. Did you know about this? Ronan turned to him in anger and disbelief. I knew some of it, said Foylon. Your world is dying. It started a long time ago, but it is happening a great deal faster now. Why didn't you tell me? From the perspective of the she, it is hard to believe that the humans did not know that they were poisoning their world, and why, when they did realise, they carried on doing it. Fucking hell, said Ronan, and buried his face in his hands. After a while he looked up. What about Yulia and Mam and Da? Are you all right for money? Leah gathered her thoughts. The two years since Ronan had left had been dominated by the burning desire to find her brother and prove that he had not emptied the bank accounts, liquidated his assets and taken out a mortgage on their parents' home. Looking at him sitting opposite her in the firelight, she realised that he would never have left them in the lurch. In a way, she'd known it all along, but it was a matter of faith rather than certainty. Now she knew for sure. The dilemma was whether or not to tell him. The money that Ethan Blake had given her would keep their debts at bay for another year or so, but she was absolutely clear in her mind that she wanted nothing more to do with him, and there was no way of knowing if there were other contracts coming down the line. If they didn't, their financial situation would quickly become precarious again. Once Ronan knew that, he would want to come back and sort it out. Her parents would be glad to see him, but Ronan would go back to being anxious and unhappy and alone. I've managed so far, Leah told herself. I can keep on managing. She took a deep breath. We're fine. I completed the contract for the Soul Trader HQ. The trick to telling lies, she had always found, was to make them almost entirely true. Did you? Ronan sounded impressed. I hadn't even started on that. How did it work out? Feeling that she was once again on solid ground, Leah told him about the Zorbs and the International Design Awards and the wonderful Wall of Weeds. I never really told our clients that you weren't around, she admitted. There was a lot of bluffing, but I think I pulled it off. Ronan leant over and hugged her. Superstar, he said. I always knew you had it in you. She glanced up and saw Fuelan looking at her with an expression that she could not read. He made a noise in the back of his throat that probably meant something in she. Leah? He asked softly. Are you telling the truth? She stared at him, not knowing what to say. I understand that you are trying to protect your brother, Foylon continued. I also think that you may be trying to protect me. But Ronan needs to make an informed decision. I do not know the details of your financial situation, but there is something that you are not telling your brother. Tell him. 
Dia did. Ronan left the clearing. They sat in silence, listening to him crashing around in the woods. When he came back, his forehead was bloodied and there were scratches on his face. This was a behaviour that Leah recognised, but it was entirely beyond Foylon's experience. Ronan sat down at a little distance from the fire. His face was pale and his hands were shaking. I need to see my parents. They don't know, Leah said quickly. I never told them. They knew you were missing, of course, but they didn't know anything about the mortgage or the debts. I didn't think that it would help to tell them, and there wasn't anything that they could do. Ronan gave her a look of inexpressible gratitude. So you've been carrying all of this on your own for two years without telling anyone? Not quite, Leah admitted. I told Trevor. Martha knew about it too, but since Martha was firmly convinced that Ronan had run off with the money, Leah thought it best not to mention her. You little darling, he said. Thank you. Leah burst into tears. She wanted to tell her brother that he had always looked after her ever since she was a little girl and that she would never let anything bad happen to him or their parents. But she couldn't get the words out. Ronan stared uncomfortably into the fire and waited for his sister to compose herself. Accounts don't just empty themselves, he said at last. Somebody did that. Leah blew her nose on one sleeve and dried her eyes on the other. I only knew that it wasn't you. It convinced the guardie to call off the search. That's what they said, but Trevor thought there was a hush-up. Ronan shook his head. I understand that Ethan Blake didn't want anyone coming looking for me, but the mortgage on Mountain View Road is extreme. It ties in the rest of your family, Poilon said. Leah had to stay working for Sil Trader. How else would she meet the repayments? And that gave him a way of bringing her down to Carmoil. Yes, said Leah, but why? She law is very specific around hostages. If a hostage dies or, Poilon cleared his throat, is captured by another clan, a sibling is an acceptable alternative. So I was the backup plan. But why did he choose Ronan in the first place? There are several things that make Ronan acceptable as a hostage. Youth, strength, health, but primarily the way he looks. You are both very beautiful by she standards, and that would increase your perceived worth. Are the she really that superficial? We are, Foylon admitted. But the exchange of hostages is also like the exchange of gifts. They must appear of equal value. The Togon hostage, Niman, is held in high regard by her clan. Is she in danger? Niman has been in the human world for more than two years, and that is always dangerous for the she. The death of Isola hung unspoken between them. Foylon who killed her, Ronan who watched her die, and Leah, who saw her dead, lying on the ground like a broken bird. She wondered what her death would mean to her clan, but it didn't seem the right moment to ask. 
the fire crackled, throwing sparks up into the night. I want to kill Ethan Blake. So do I, said Ronan grimly. Me too, said Foylon. He put another log on the fire. But there may be others better placed to do this. My brothers, for example. Where are they? Leah asked. They will come, said Foylon. Their job was to play the hare. Trian and Aid, he explained, were to lead the Togon pursuit down into the wooded plains on the far side of Carhamwell and lose them there. Then they would make their way around to the sea by a circuitous route. Is that not dangerous? Very, Foylon said, but they are warriors. They will enjoy the outing. And indeed, when Aid and Trian arrived, exhausted and dishevelled, they gave every appearance of returning from a fine day's sport. By the time the horses were tended to, the warriors fed, and the mead was drunk, the moon was low in the sky. Aid and Trian wrapped themselves in their jerkins, lay down beside the far side and fell instantly asleep. The she-garment had many functions and was also used for sleeping. Leah wondered what she was going to do without one. Take mine, Ronan said, shrugging it off and tossing it in her direction. Foylon and I can share. Everyone looked away. Foylon because he was trying to hide how pleased he was, and Leah because she still wasn't ready to see her brother without his clothes. She wrapped the marmite-smelling garment around her and curled up beside the fire. This is your second night in Eldahach, said the glyph in her ear. Thank you, Leah whispered. She removed the glasses and placed them beside her improvised pillow. Fuelan walked away from the firelight and Ronan followed him. They lay down in a glade at the foot of the hill and did not sleep at all. There were times when Ronan thought that the sheer physicality of it would break him, but in the morning he knew that he would stay in Ildahach.